0: something lined up for us yeah a little bit of a uh, track that's forthcoming on my ep which will be out soon uh the ep's called illiterate this song's called straya and it's uh i think it's quite poignant for the times that we're currently in so i'll just start i'm just going to do it acapella um can someone tell me what it means to be australian Because i for one i feel like i am failing All I see is greed and racism prevailing. The sickness grows from the hate that we're inhaling. Some of the population are fit like Adonis, but most Australians are thick and abhorrent. Our leaders slap backs with the fat caps up in towers, misspending our public funds and abusing their powers. We have a misplaced sense of freedom, free to succeed, but free from reason. We shun the poor and those who protest. We love the law because it knows best. Rates of suicide are so high, so many alive feel dead inside and Darth Murdoch serves another lie. It's no wonder kids smoke all that ice to get high. Now some philosophize through the bong smoke. Ringe about the system, but you don't vote. Lazy spirit tools <laughs> rust a far white. Lack of engagement helping the rise of the far right. Our politicians serve corporate interests, treat our indigenous worse than prisoners. They cut the land up for metals and energy, and white out this nation's black memory. There's a little bit of a hook and there's a bit of a scratchy bit from uh, DJ Liquid, but, yeah, that's generally the crux of the, uh, of the verses. So, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty spectacular, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wow. Looking forward to that. It's a uh, beat by TK Bass Dread. Uh, gentleman who plays bass up in uh, Byron Bay with the uh, 420 Sound guys. You know those guys up there?
1: I, I haven't, but you're going to have to put me on to it. Yeah, a- they're very, very
0: great... Um, Dub Reggae Collective up there, Byron. Man, that's right down my, uh, right down my. Definitely, They've got something. They've got. I I think it's um, I think it might even be worldwide. They've got the biggest Monday Reggae night in the world, or something. Something really weird. It is like it is the beach of the the beach hotel in Byron, and it just packs out on a Monday night. Oh, you know what? I think I've actually been to one of their events. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, I've only been to Byron. uh, once, once, uh, I think it was maybe last year, mm-hmm. and we were there for five days. And yep. um obviously my missus was a bit tired from you know having a child and everything. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but we, um, I was like, babe, like that, that's a, you know we had a nice dinner and then some some drinks and we went to uh, yeah I think it was the Byron. It's a pretty big hotel, yeah, it's isn't it? huge, huge, huge outdoor bar. area. Yep, yep, yep mate. Yep. I was in heaven. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm like like reggae is one of those genres where the moment it starts playing, I'm like. Yep, I'm
0: there. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> my my brother said, um, it's it's the happiest type of music. There's just no way it can be unhappy. Like yeah. it's just something about the way those chords hit, <laughs> yeah, like, the skanks, yeah, and the, you it. know, so, yeah, just smiling music. Even If it's written, if it's a political song about oppression or about you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's still just got this always happy vibe to it. Even when like
1: uh you know like like say people like Alborosi, right? You know, Albo. I'm sure you know Alboros. Like he's got this, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> really roughy, sort of. Yep. But it's still the music, it always has a positive message. Absolutely, yeah. I think yep. that, that's something that some, sort of surmises dub and reggae in a sense. Yep. Um, that's awesome, man. So, so obviously, today we have you, Dan, yeah, aka bye. Dyslexic, <laughs> in the house. Uh, make some noise. Such a wonderful audience. Yeah. This, um, this is shooting live, everyone. Uh, live and direct. All right, let's turn that off just in case I hit a wrong, the wrong button. Get the, yeah, get the samples out. Yeah, like the, the the old cricket. You know, should we do it?
2: Should we just it? All right, Excellent.
1: shut up, crickets. I hate bugs. Um, so. You're obviously someone who is, you know, obviously a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you call yourself a rapper or a freestyler?
0: I, I tend or an to... MC? what I, I Yeah, MC is the word I use because the thing I like the most about what I do is a like, is crowd interaction. That's my favourite thing. Um, call and response, um, that, those sorts of things. Make some noise and... That's, that's what I prefer. So that's more of a master of ceremonies thing, I think. I yeah. still love rapping. I still love all the other parts of it. But I think the thing that I enjoy the most is the, the hype. Yeah, it's the hype and the crowd control. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like a um,
1: sort of you. you don't really rap to hip hop. You're, you're really into the DMV genres, I guess? I do
0: rap to hip hop. I do rap to hip hop, but drum and bass has always kept, has always had this special, um, I've always had this really special relationship with it. Um, and so uh, the best way, I think, I think with, with hip-hop, um, it's very limited as well, when you stop and start. Uh, with drum and bass, you can stop and start anywhere. Still, it's very critical that you start and stop in specific places, but you don't, you're not locked into such a rigid formula. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do do a 16 or 24, whereas, whereas with hip-hop, it's always, it's always a bit more rehearsed. I mean, the freestyle and spontaneous stuff are a little bit different, but if you're doing a set of hip-hop, um, your raps are pretty much pre-ordained, you pre-determined, ordained or pre- yeah. pre-determined yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're going to go, whereas drum and bass, it's just go nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think mean, there's more of a hypnotic sort of element to mm. drum and bass, like, you know, mm. like all the other sort of electronic dance music genres. Um, hip-hop, I guess, is a bit more, like you've got specific chord structures, you want to have right. the hook yeah. and, and that. Yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, obviously on that note, you have some pretty uh, exciting releases. You've had Frostbite, yeah, um, that was pretty pretty good little one with Mr. Arby. Yeah, yeah. And um, what label was that on? It was on Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Yeah. And you just
0: recently, did uh, yeah. it today? Yeah, last night, yeah. So as I'm not sure when this is airing, but um, from the day we are recording, it was last night. It was my premiere of my first ever music film clip, uh, which <laughs> was Viper. It was um, done with uh, UTS from South Australia and that came out on In Deep, which is a label over in Austria. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So... Um, was it something that they kind of said to you, hey, do you want to do
0: a music video clip? No. I said to uh, Patty, who's uh, the UTS, is the producer, I said, look, um, I want to do a film clip out of this. I think it's got legs to, to do a film clip on. Yeah. Um, and then I just, he went sort of go nuts and then I just ran with it. And it was more of an exercise in me of like, um, having having knowing that my, my EP was coming up and was in the process, I was like, okay, can I do a film clip? And... I sat down with a few of my friends from from Snake Pit, pick um, up uh, the Snake Pit fam, um, and said, look, this is what I want to do. This is my plan. And not a single person went, oh, I think that's a bit ambitious or "Oh, I don't know if we can pull that off. They were all like, let's go. When do we start? When do we do it? Yeah. So um, yeah, it was to the point where I'd, I'd planned it my partner and I went travelling. Um, we, we had a set date for when we were going travelling, and I decided to do it three weeks beforehand. So I just went, and I, my, my, I was, I was swimming once, and I, and I was thinking about it, and I thought to myself, not a lot of time to organise, and I literally said to myself, I said, but anyone can pull this off. It's going to be you, so let's just get there. And then every morning, I, um, I would sit down, and I'd make a to do list, as well as doing breakfast, knock off my to do list, and then that was it. The next day, I'd have another one, and just clicked over until everything was taken care of uh, makeup, the makeup the background dances, the location the you know everything just fell into place
1: yeah and and obviously um uh, a mutual friend of ours james uh, james yeah james and, and dana yeah james and dana amazing. from jurassic melbourne yep. um, uh, they obviously did kudos a lot of Kudos' music video clips yep. who's uh, yep. obviously if you're if you're watching this this will be episode after, after kudos after
0: big james yep um the kudos are later <laughs> you know, we, we've known each other for um nine years nine we've years known each other for a while his housemate his um the girl who designed his first ep was my ex-partner's housemate wow and she, my ex-partner said i don't know have you heard this guy kudos and i was like no i'm from melbourne like how would i hear a rapper from noosa sort of thing like yeah, 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 yeah. she's like check this out and i was like Whoa! Man's got man's, man's got skills. Yeah, Damn! Yeah. Like yeah, and then I met him at a house party in Noosa, and we became mates ever since. Like, like an instant sort <laughs> of yeah, a, um, yeah, Like we all, we already kind of knew each other because we'd seen each other's music and stuff. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Man, it's it's uh, it's kind of like why
1: you're also here like as a as a mm-hmm. guest choice to be on sort of number mm-hmm. uh number three number three yep. is I feel like there's this thread that connects all of you you know yeah, obviously yeah. uh Shem's gonna be yeah uh on the horizon I think yeah, I have mentioned right. it um yep. it's actually funny with Shem he messaged me going oh man I I really really you know really enjoyed that and you know episode one with us there I'm, like, right? yep. I'm like have you seen episode zero because I kind of actually mentioned the fact that I want yeah, to get twisted audio just, yeah, twisted yeah, right. audio guys yeah
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah. So there's definitely a thread, and there's this like you no, three is it three degrees of separation. Is that what they call it? three That's degrees? It yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, which is kind of exciting because for me that sort of highlights the interconnectedness of yep. the scene. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's so much in what you already said that I want to cover today. Yep. Um, you know, cover snake pit collectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few few things to talk about definitely. music video clips. But while we're on that sort of note of the music video clip. Yep. Um. What was the actual process? Obviously, you said you have your to-do lists, Mm -hmm. but... In terms of having James involved, uh, did yep. he do a lot of the production so, scouting? So
0: what happened was I actually had someone else booked in to do it. It was a friend through um, a guy I had met through uh, through, Rock, through Ruckman, one of Kudos' um, collaborators, and I was, at, I was at one of his film clips and the guy who was filming that, I said, oh, thought, okay, this is great. And then um, unfortunately last minute, literally Friday, the clip was all booked for Saturday. We were meeting up at the house that was booked and he said, look, I can't do it. I'm going to find someone else to do it, to help you. So I was like, okay, sweet. My partner will confirm this. I've never been so silent in my entire life. I spent three or four hours just pacing around the house, just going, she said, what's up? And I said, I've got my background dancer, I've got my fire twirler, I've got my extras, I've got the location, I've got the lights, I've got the scene set up, I've got the only thing I don't have is someone to film the video clip. <laughs> so James and I had already been talking about Ten of Commandments. And I yeah. said, um Just shot at esoteric. Just be shot at esoteric, yeah, yeah. So that was a big plan. And it and I said, I rang him and I was, I was sitting, um, I was sitting my car park at my work, and I said, bro, this has happened any chance she can help. And he was already booked for another gig and he said, no, I can't. But Dana is very keen to do it. And I said, great. Oh, she's never done one before. And I said, even better. Neither have I. Like, <laughs> yes. Let's go for it. Like, I love he it. Said, he said, I'll set her all up. Um, you know, I'll get it. And, and, you know, and, she, and I said, look, I don't know what I'm doing. None of the guys who are involved in helping know what we're doing. We've all got, we all know what we're doing, you know, but we don't know what we're doing, if that makes sort of sense. Like um, my lighting guy, Matty, he... He knows exactly, he knows his lighting, but he'd never done a film clip. So yeah. He'd never had any idea of what colours or schemes and um and then while James was setting Dana up and getting everything sort of planned out and we were getting our makeup done and these sorts of things um. She goes, Oh, my dad's coming. Have you met have you met Dana's dad? Yes, he's, I have. He's, I, I, he's I, l- hilarious. Yeah, he is. And, very... and I said, I said, oh, I thought, oh, that's great. You know, your dad's coming to help you in your first clip. And James is like, no, no, he's a cinematographer too. Like, yeah, like, yeah he is. Yeah, apparently he's brilliant. Like I, I didn't wasn't wasn't aware of any of his work. And and so then we had, I had this awesome thing that I was watching from being the 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 talent on the on the camera watching. Her and him connect on this like father daughter like, and I it was remember. it was awesome. And he's just running, doing the little side things and holding the lights, and, and it was it was all her show. Yeah. Um. And a few times he'd he'd ask, he'd like you know, one time he wanted the lights to orange, and he goes, oh, can I have this light orange? And I'm sitting there thinking. And the bang light goes orange. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, a Like, yes, Maddie. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> was, I was, the, my, one of my friends um, who owned the house, he was on the smoke machine and he was just like killing it on the slope like on off smoke machine, like bang. He's like, the great smoke machine. Like, he just <laughs> giving us all these compliments. Um, and then at the end of, this, end of this shoot, he said, So, you know, how, you guys must have been doing this for a while. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's our first one. He's like, And he was quite impressed with how professional we were. Yeah. yeah. Even, it, was, it was the first one It we just kept on point, everyone. Um, everyone that was involved was like was just really, really present and really helpful, and and made me. I, I worried because my partner was there and a few of her girlfriends came, and all they did was hang out in the green room and just like get drunk, like which is what we, what was the idea? Yeah, because they were just gonna be extras. And she's like, I don't even want to be in the film clip. I just want to be hanging out here and be a part of. Experience. And a lot of the time, a lot of time she spent like behind Dana watching. The thing and she's like, nah, No, I, I didn't want to be on front of the camera, I wanted to be behind watching you level up. And I said, oh, A few times I felt like I was snappy. She's like, No, no, you're just being like professional, direct. you're just being direct, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, I, and I was like, Oh, great, because you know, and at the end of the night, we um, I bought everyone pizza and and we all just sat there, and everyone's like, you know, high fiving me and just talking about what a great, um, what a great experience it was. And another thing that was interesting was, um, there's a scene where I'm sitting in this um, this stairway, and the next scene. I've got to be outside. So we shot it sort of backwards with the fire scene. Uh, so we had to build a fire. We had to do all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting there on the, on the, on the stairs at one point, rapping to the camera and thinking, oh, we've got to start a fire." So we've got to, oh, it's going to take forever. It's getting late. And I turn to my mates and I go, we've got to get that fire. And he just laughed and goes, go and check it out. And I've gone out there. And they've built the fire in the drum. They've worked out with the fire twirler where he needs to stand. James and Dan are already working out. So all I had to do was literally stand in there and rap. And I was like, just so I was almost like I got a bit teary. I was like, oh my god, you guys have helped me, you know, with so much. And and, yeah. and, and you know, it was it was. Was um. It really was a team effort. Like I genuinely would not have been able to do it without all my amazing friends. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's mostly as the you yeah, had the snake pit. Logo yeah, on. that's well, that's and that's what the, sort of my, my joke with um because I help build I help build snake pit and like you know, I, I, I like to call what I, well, I like to call myself what I call shit chippy. Um, and so Cam Cam um, Altakilter, who's like our sort of the the, the main Snake Pit kind of organizer. Um, every now and then, I just say I just I say my role in Snake Pit's the brand ambassador. Like I'm just trying to put the name, put this ready There's any yeah, photos yeah. I just try and put. Um, you know, Snake Pit out there as much as possible. So yeah, the whole idea was I said to everyone wear a black hoodie because I just wanted black hoodies in the background. Got a snake pit one wear that, and then me and Nelly, the the snake charmer, we're both in snake pit hoodies. There's a few there's a few scenes where just snake pit, and he was Cam and his partner were overseas traveling in South America, and I'm just sending him snippets of it. He's just like with this big shit eating grin, like yes, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, represent, yeah,
1: yeah. That was the kind of the idea. So that's awesome, man. Well, I just want to um, for anyone who's watching and has never met Dan or dyslexic or has. Uh, ever experienced uh, is it Snake Pit Collective or Snake is it just Pit. Snake Pit no just
0: Snake Pit, Snake Pit Sound just Snake Pit Snake Pit. There's, a, there's a Snake Pit Records and there's a Snake Pit as well so there's the Snake Pit Records is over in the UK I believe and Snake Pit is a stage in a hard trance festival in Holland where Snake Pit Sound that's the yeah, whole. Yeah. no, no relation obviously no relation no, yeah,
1: no, no, no yeah. own and and for anyone, obviously, that doesn't know, what is the sort of style of music?
0: Just so people know, bass music, I guess. Yeah, Bro, um, b- sort of broken beat. We we do um, probably. I'd like to think that drum and bass is our main shtick, but um, I'm a bit biased. Um, we do we do a lot of glitch hop as well, a lot of bass, a lot of dubstep, yeah. um, and then there's a little bit of sort of funky tech house and little other things. But yeah. what our main sort of uh, thing is, we run a stage at Esoteric, um, and we're the only. From what I can see in my experience in the sort of doof, doof community community, the doof scene is where the only really bass music driven stage. Yeah. There's always a bit of here, there and sort of everywhere. But we're the only stage, it's like, I mean, I think from Saturday lunchtime to Sunday night, there's nothing but broken beats. No. Yeah. So that's um that's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. It's um, Esoteric was my first
1: festival this year. Uh well, first time at Esoteric. Yep. And um, Myself, I've, I've obviously used to run a stage at a festival and do a lot of the programming and a lot of uh, bass music is very underrepresented in, yeah, in Bush I, Doofs.
0: Yeah, I, I, I call it very token. Yeah. You'll get an international maybe um, and then you'll get some dude at 4am. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's not, and that's, I, I, look, I, I dig, it's probably the least popular of, yeah. of um, so they of, think. Also, they think. I don't know. I yeah. yeah I'm, like I said, I'm very biased. Like I I, yeah. I I really I like both kinds of music and drum and bass. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. But I do find that especially at the bigger parties. Um, I find the bigger parties, especially like um like Rainbow Seven for example, was hilarious at um a couple of years ago. It was Ed Solo was playing. I think he might have been. The only sort of big name drum and bass act, and I looked around the crowd, and it was just all Melbourne DB heads, like just in in full Doof mode. And I was like, Oh, yeah. here we go. We're going to show you side trance hippies how to rip a stage, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <you> know? <laughs> we've got we've got one hour. You know, what I mean, you've got those genres have a long time to sort of progress. We've got one hour to come in and smash it, so it's a little bit different. But yes, yeah, so that's what that's what I love most about Esoteric is that it's. Um, encompassing, yeah, it's very, it's encompassing, but we get to go. You get to see a different different styles of mm. those types of music. Yeah. Um, you know, even even. Uh, um, on the Saturday night with, with drum and bass, it's like you know nine to 12, nine to ten hours of drum and bass. But they're very different styles. You've got the guys who are playing at four or five a.m. are playing some really dark, heavy stuff. Yeah, uh, M- Monkey Tay, Tay and I will play that more clubby sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Shem will play a little bit of the, the heavier stuff, which will be a scratch up and stuff. So it's yeah. all it's a much bigger as opposed to oh here's your hour of drum and bass. You know? <laughs> yeah, which is which is awesome. That's amazing. Um,
1: There's a lot of crews involved in uh, Snake Pit, obviously. uh, Mm -hmm. Twisted Audio, which is... Uh, uh, It says it on your T-shirt, established 210. Uh, That's Jeff. He just knocked off Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Jeff, (laughs) Jeff. it's all good. Wake up, Jeff. Um, A lot of people hate him when they come into the studio. I I was going to ask about him. Uh, The old sausage man. Yep. Um, (laughs) I I had a uh, studio partner in here called Sam. He has a a, a side breaks project or... Yeah, sort of in that realms... uh, Nanosphere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard him. It rings a bell. Um, he's got some remixes of head flocks and, okay, yeah. and he's just yep. done Desert Dwellers. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't oh, know if cool. you know Desert, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Desert Wellers, yep So um he's UK based and he was living with us for a while and um he is a very funny individual <laughs> with a very strange and quirky sense of humor. Excellent. Uh he's got eight llamas uh, and they're all <laughs> called Jeff. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> so so an yeah, an inside joke with us is we we like uh do you know Eddie Izzard?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie yeah.
1: Izzard has this uh skit about the Death Star canteen and Darth Vader yep. trying to go into the Death Star to order Penny Arabiata and you know, it's like, I am Darth Vader, you know, and the guy's like, Who? You know, Jeff Vader, you know? Is ah, that, ah, are you Jeff Vader? You know, you had a are you had st- a catering or whatever it goes and so uh, you know, I I call that guy Jeff Vader. Yeah, Jeff Vader. And nice. e- yeah. Every studio's gotta have uh a totem or yep. whatever. Yep. That, that's yep. that's him. That's him. Excellent. Uh, I'm in love with him. Yep. yep. Excellent. He's got he's got he's got beautiful eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, obviously there's a lot of crews that are involved in in Snake and that sort of highlights, like you
0: said, you're the brand ambassador, but yeah. behind the scenes there's a, a bunch of people. That's making right, it there's, all and work. there's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that, and they all. So it's a really um, great dynamic, in that People just stick to sort of what they're doing. There's like the the, the whole group of girls that do the decor, and they there's no. Um, no infighting. This goes here. This goes here. It's all just everyone's just. Mm. It's it's a, such a fun collective to be a part of. So I get I get the benefit of helping build it and then also performing it. So yeah. I get this. I've got this extra sort of. Um, uh, sometimes I feel like this extra connection of the stage because when we're building the stage, a few times I'll stop and look out and be like, "Oh, this is going to be my view. Like, I wonder if there's going to be people here, you know?" And yeah. then when it happens and you're on stage and you're like, "Oh wow, there's people here! Like, look what we built! Like, ah, oh, this is so great!" Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's a very, very easy collective because I've I've seen from afar a few different. Oof, sort of collectives, and I can see how easy it is to the inviting because when, especially when the amount of effort involved versus the financial reward is such a disparity. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy for people to get upset and yeah. get short. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I totally understand that. Yeah. But we've got very much a very clear sort of chain of command, which I think sort of helps and everything sort of is bounced off sort of two or three individuals depending on what sort of role it is. and. There's a big grand idea, and you know, like one of one of the guys, um, the guy who who does our laser cutting for our stage, he's based in the NZ, but he's just one of our crew. Like, so he just sends back the plans to his boss, who we used to work in Coburg or something. So we get it all cut up there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's all these great ideas that bounce around between friends. So, yeah, it's really awesome. It's amazing,
1: isn't it? It's yeah. got like you've got sort of I don't want to say industrial design, but or some sort of design
0: and and, mm-hmm. and planning and sketching, 100%. and and, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. usually the yeah. like carpentry, the good base. Yeah. To begin with. That's exactly right, yeah. And then there's, there's a few of us in the crew who are, there's a couple of guys that are really good carpenters. So they sort of, they come up with the brain, the, the nuts and bolts sort of idea. And then it's up to sort of, a couple of guys like me who just do more of the installation yeah. sort of stuff of it. So, yeah. you know, it's really, really awesome. Like this year, this year it was rained on the Wednesday night piercing. <laughs> yeah, <you> know, no. <laughs> and, we, and Cam's like, well, we better put a roof on it. And we're like, all right, sweet. So the four of us put this roof up in the rain. Big, big shout-out to Tane and Dougie. Oh, those those, those, those the homies, <laughs> Absolute man. Absolute weapons. Yeah. But, like, at one point we had Cam and I were on ladders on the outside. I mean, we're, we are so wet. Like, it's it, like we are. It's, I, I was thinking water. That's how wet I was. Like, the socks, everything was just drenched. And I'm up on one ladder hanging off this, like, tree, one leg on a tree, one leg on a ladder with my gun, putting a screw in putting a screw in, cams on the other side and just as a precarious position. Tane's got a giant plank of wood holding up the panel for the roof and Dougie's running around below, getting fixings, getting bolts, getting them, making sure ladders aren't going to fall in the rain. Yeah, yeah. It was just this um, incredible experience. And then we finished it. We're all standing under that while the rain's and we're just standing there going, oh, wow, we built a roof. Like, And then it didn't <laughs> rain at all. <laughs> <laughs> but what it did do was allow the, uh, the uh, paint team... To create an extra layer for the cave, And yeah. we were standing there at one point, and Cam and I was discussing the roof as the middle of the party. And I was like, "Yeah, nah, definitely need the roof. Like, it's really added yeah. an extra layer too." So that was um that was pretty cool. That was really fun to be so, excited so, yeah. <laughs> to be a part of. <laughs> it's funny, man. Uh, behind every, door festival and Doggy are, are literally there. Like 100%. in some point, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those things. It's like you know, you're you know, you're automatically around good people. If those two it, do, it they're it. friends with those dudes. Like yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, okay, sweet. Like your 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 entire personnel and your whole backstory has been verified by the fact that you're mates with these two guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mate. I uh, hats off to them. Um,
1: they're the un, unsung heroes. A hundred percent. You know,
0: 100%. Uh, Dougie, Dougie. um Dougie was one of the first people uh, when he did subbase. I don't know. Were you, were you around um, Melbourne scene when subbase was was a thing? Uh, I know it, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I was here from two thousand and eight, so it was definitely. Yeah. So that was sort of at the, towards the end of its sort of reign, and yeah. I was, that was about when I sort of joined up with those guys too. And they had this whole thing about oh, we don't like MCs at all. So I was like, sweet. And then all of a sudden, they liked a couple of the guys. Liked me MCs. Jim was another one. He's like, I love. I want to MC. Dan to MC and and It was me and Harzi with the, sort of the two MCs. I mean, Dougie just one day just gave me a T-shirt, a sub-bass T-shirt. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'd had band T-shirt, but I'd never had, like, a crew. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, I've got a crew. Like, you know, <laughs> you know like, I met my partner through that. Like, i have some of my best mates in the whole world all through this whole idea of, right, what we're going to do is set up a stuzer in the bush and play some shoots. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, that's amazing, man. Mm. So... um. Obviously, you know, you you are uh an MC and a carpenter mm-hmm. and it's um well, I relate to you a lot obviously yeah, in that way cuz yeah, yeah. I'm obviously a carpenter yeah, yeah, and yeah. DJ. Yep. But uh do you ever kind of go um you just like if you could, you know, you just do the MCing for the
0: rest of your life or do you like that dynamic between the two? Of them? I've had it's uh, I've had moments where I've Felt like I'm on the cusp, perhaps, especially with my my um my second band. It was a ten piece, some really hot players, like really. We, what, 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 my what genre, genre was it? it was it was like dubby reggae, hip hop, rocky. It was like a big mishmash everything. All the players were uh, VCA guys, like, so they could just play anything. Yeah. And Which one, is, uh, so I don't Vic, know what VCA Sorry, sorry, VCA, yeah. Victorian College of the Arts. Yeah. It's like the music school. Prestigious school. Yeah, it's and, the, yeah. If, if you've, if someone's graduated from VCA, you really know that they know their stuff. Like, okay, it's yeah, not, yeah. it's extremely hard to like, get into the course, let alone to finish it. Yeah. um, It's the, it's on St. Kilda Road. I don't know if you know that sort of area next to the National. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so all the players with that were just, and it was um two two rappers and a singer, and it was really I thought the project had legs. So it was a sort of a what I like to call a bit of a streetier, grungier version of the Cat Empire. Oh, was, okay. You know, and we had this thing where I said we all work in three, so there was three horn players, drums, bass, guitar, and the vocals. And as long as each three knew what the three of us were supposed to be doing, there was no way it could go wrong. Mm. And we kept that ethos. So even in the verses, the horns would just be holding one note or. Something like that. And then I just – and I, 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 I cut my teeth in, um, in live music, um, Muso Nights. So I got this – really enjoyed this jazzy vibe of almost not being the conductor but being the person who sort of moves the flow into certain directions. So I'd, you know, call one of the sax player, are you ready for a you know, solo? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, here we go. And he'd count it and say, and then rip a solo, you know, same drummer or the singer or anyone and I think sometimes when you've got that bigger collective it just needs that one person just to not arrogantly be saying oh I'm the boss this is the way it goes but like what do we do there and then instead of people arguing it's like yeah cool let's go there like it's not um yeah it's just a way to sort of direct the flow a little bit yeah so I thought I thought with that band we um we might have I might have been able to have, have made it. Yeah, and we went on tour I did six weeks up the east coast I was like oh, I don't know if I can do this as a thing like it's it's a very ruling. Ruling. it's very hard lifestyle I absolutely take my hat off to the people I know that do it as a full time gig mm. it's a lot of, and it's being from Melbourne too is very, very spoiled. Like a lot of my friends, so I went to high school in Canberra. A lot of my friends say, why don't you come play a gig in Canberra? I'm like, if I want to play to 20 people, I'll play on a Tuesday night in Melbourne. Like why would I go to all that effort? To, yeah. um, and that's probably not probably the right attitude if you're trying to spread your sound, but it's sort of like, well, it's all this effort to set up a gig anyway. Why would I do it in a place that, you know, yeah. I just have this thing again that sort of um, it makes me feel a little bit, I'm not... It's just whenever you play a bad gig to a bad show, you just feel a bit more depressed about it. So it's it's a lot harder to crack that. Mm. So yes, yeah, so after that, and I was like, ah, oh, didn't know about that. And I was working in advertising at the time, and thought, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then I sort of had a little bit of a mental breakdown, quit the band, moved up to Noosa with my ex partner, and sort of chilled out. Didn't do because I, I think I'd worked out in 2011. I I, I left um, I left Melbourne in November 2011. I'd done 150 shows that year. In my band of drum and bass like I was three or four night, nights a week I was playing wow and that's the most of it. and I was burnt out I just was I just literally was I was you know than I've ever been I was just a rake you know just like <laughs> bad bad habits bad food bad sleep bad everything you know mm-hmm had a ball, <laughs> but was just burnt out. Yeah, and then I came back. Well, I came back to Melbourne eighteen months later, and I had a much better attitude. And then I sort of went. I'm kind of happy with having another focus outside of music. I think, and that all that also too, it means that fin- I get really stressed about finances quite easily. Um, and so that way, it's you're not relying on this creative, endeavor. um, endeavor to yeah to 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 pay the bills. And again, hats off to people that can do it. I'm mm. incredibly. I, I'm almost my fiercest, um, uh, my fiercest attractor and I'm my biggest critic. So I don't think I could actually physically do that. It's taken me 17 years to do a film clip, for God's sake. Like it's, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, so I, would, I, I do like, I do genuinely like having that balance. Um, and I'm actually lucky in the point now with my job that I'm only sort of doing 30, 35 hours a week got a lot of more time to sort of focus so i do i the the job and um art balance is, is much better at the moment yeah 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 i can also relate to that and um obviously you know
1: we had this com- same similar conversation yeah. with albino which is yeah. i i you know I, I always ask that question because for me my dream is always like oh, yeah, i want to do that i want to be like a different country every week and but then you know um the reality of that's really hard well yeah yeah and the 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 closest person I know who has been doing that for ten years is is Grouch. And, yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, I was gonna say Oscar meaning Opio, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 <also. laughs>
1: yeah. And well, yeah, he's just um, he's done it for so long, and I think um, I don't I don't know if he he yeah, that's how he operates. That's now. right.
0: Would he know any other way? Would, like, he, would yeah. he know
1: any other way? Um, and, and that being said, man, he's still writing amazing music. Yeah, that's he's exactly still,
0: right. Uh, and I, I just, I put it down to uh, outlier, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. He's, yeah, he's, totally. He's an outlier. Absolutely. And there are people like that in every single facet of life. Like there's just those people who have that extra ability to do something. Something,
1: yeah. And look, it is something that I want to sort of segue into a, a conversation we had at um, Esoteric. when, yep. Obviously, so me, me and Dan, we've actually met before, but Dan had a hard time putting the name to the face. Yeah, because…
0: You'd had a haircut and your face was all trimmed and I was standing there going, and we were chatting all weekend, like popping in and seeing each other. And I'm like sitting the whole time looking at your eyes going, I know, why is, what have you changed? And you're like, I've shaved my beard off. I'm like, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and so the first time we we actually met was, uh, uh, so I used to manage Grouch, just, to, yep. just for okay, the, yep. for, I used yep. to be Grouch's manager and right. I used to be his, I don't know if you could say personal event manager, but yep. basically I run my, my business Beyond Surreal mm-hmm. and we used to put on parties and Shem and Tay obviously put Twisted Audio. Yep. And so, you know, there was this like, hey, let's like let's put on a gig together. Let's bring in the forces, his name, our sort of pr- promotion and my, you know, obviously just the aesthetic of the event and yep. everything. And you were playing right after me with Jesswa. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. That was Jesse's uh, first trip down to Melbourne. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I've never heard of you then, and yep. I never heard of uh, of Jeswa. Jeswa. Yep. And I was blown away. Yep. You know, because right. I I don't I haven't gotten a chance to really dive into DMB culture and um and so obviously part of DMB culture is having the MC you yeah. know rip the mic a new one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like to think so. <laughs>
1: um, but going back to this, um, you know, lifestyle changes and like mm-hmm. how health. Yep. So you, in our earlier conversation at ESO, told me that you were uh, on the verge of my, becoming a tri- yeah, triathlete.
0: Yeah. Professional triathlete, yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, this is. I was, I was thinking actually today when I was having my shower after doing my, my hour and a half ride through the Yu Yangs this morning, how best to start this off. Um, and I thought the best way to start it off is to give full credit to my mother. So when I was five, I got um, diagnosed with ADD. ADHD. Anyone that knows me will be compl- like, I like, am the poster child for ADD or ADHD, as it's known now. Um, and she's a teacher; she's a primary school teacher. So she had already seen the effects of Ritalin and all those sort of mood enhancing drugs, and she said no. And the doctor was like, she had this big argument with, with my with my paediatrician about the fact I'm not. He's not going on drugs. Yeah. So he said, well you need to do something to tire him out. So she just literally put me, I I went to swimming training. So by like age seven or eight, I was training four or five times a week already. That's five to six hours a week. Um, And that's, she said, that's what calmed me down. I'd go my, you know, I'd be able to sleep. I didn't have behavioral issues that are sort of maintained. I had maybe a few concentration issues, but not nearly as bad. So that started. And then I just genuinely fell in love with, Um, with the rhythm of endurance training so I was doing like five, at at age eight I was doing 5k runs and 5k races and um, I got a, a silver medal in the 1500 in the Northern Territory Little Athletics, I think at age eight for under nine for the year above and stuff. so but it was just and it was never my parents never pushed me. One of my mum's favorite stories is to say when I was um, when I was 13, I was in this swimming squad and she was talking with a couple of the mums and they said and they said, oh, it was so hard to get Jimmy out of bed this morning and how, how do you get Daniel out of bed? She looked at them and went, I go to bed hoping he doesn't wake me up. Who, who wants to be up at 5 a.m.? Why would you get your child up at 5 a.m.? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> She's like, i go to bed hoping he doesn't wake me up. And yeah. I'd be like, no, nah. oh, I always set my alarm. What I do is set my alarm across the other side of the room. So I had to get up <laughs> Yeah, yeah I off. do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enjoy um, sleep too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, my biggest claim to fame, it actually got me, it actually got me my advertising job, was that I beat Ian Thorpe when we were 11 years old. So if they, anyone that doesn't know swimming, Ian Thorpe was a absolute... Um, phenomenon phenom of, uh, of swimming at the age of 16. And I remember him being, like, the size of him And I didn't think really anything of it. And it wasn't until he was he won his first medal at the World Champs, my mum said, you beat him. And I was like, what are you talking about, Tripper? And she's like, no, no, she showed me these results from 1994, New South Wales State Champs. And I was like, okay, cool. So from there, I was like, Because oh. <laughs> oh. So, I didn't think of, because. it. By that point, I'd already transitioned into triathlon, and there's a, there's a my friend had a t shirt that said, um, Triathlon's not a sport, it's a lifestyle. Mm. And I mean, I'm so at the age of 14, I'm already training 15, 16 hours a week, like two or three hours a day, which is to the layperson, fucking full on. Like, I was doing four or five hour rides on a Saturday morning at the age of 15. Like, that's it's pretty intense. Loved. Every minute of it. There was not a moment where I would would never go to training. Yeah. Um, And then, so, yeah, won a few medals uh, in team stuff and and went to nationals a few times and then was in the elite squad um, when I was 16, just before I got my license. So bless my mum, single mum. A son of yeah, my little brother was a elite football player and I was an elite triathlete. And so she had two different training sessions every afternoon and somehow wow. managed to get us to everything. So big up Penny, you're a legend. Mm. Um, and then I, um, and so I joined this elite squad and I was, uh, then I got a, a new balance sponsorship. I got a sponsor wow. from a, um, from a, 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 local cycling, um, shop and all these sorts of things. And that was, um, year 11 for me. And in year 11 at my boys, I went to a private boys school. Um, and, there was a thing called the uh, talented sports program, so I was in that, and it was basically an extra study period. So I didn't have to, uh, to do any homework out of school. I had enough time rearranged for me at school. to Do that, um, and then yeah. So year eleven was was a, was what we call, in this. It was like a building year. It was all about building up for year twelve, which was seventeen, which was for my for the nationals. Um, and then yeah, I did some. Went on a training camp did like 450 K of cycling in three days that would, which also had like 20k of swimming and like two two half marathons like over three days in in uh Jindabyne. yeah like I wrote from Canberra, Cambridge was 190k like at what? age 17 like yeah 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 these sort of things that's, that's that's the level of um of uh intensity, of yeah. intensity and endurance that I had and I loved like I frothed on it um and then, so yeah what a very short, short way to end it really was that I had three or four races um, that were big big time races, and they all went to shit like shit, and there was one was a mechanical problem, one was um one was I, I got a blue bottle stone across my face, um, I got all these sort of things. Uh, that That's the story that I, that's what we were talking about at ESO. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was a, so, yeah, you were yeah. very descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so um, in triathlon, in triathlon, most triathletes, they have their sort of their favorite leg or their, or their best leg and mine was always swimming, being a swimmer, coming from a swimmer and I also played a bit of water polo. So, you ever see those mass starts for triathlon where everyone, there's like a hundred people just running and they just, it's just carnage. I was the dude who was like on top of people smashing through them because I just knew how to sort of tackle bodies in the water. Yeah. So I was always, my plan was always, um, especially these elite level races was to sort of be in the lead pack of the swim or lead out of the swim. So my bike was my weakest leg. So then I could chill out a bit while the stronger cyclists and sort of try and stick with them and hold it together for the run. Um, So, yeah, so I'm swimming out. This is in Wollongong and I'm swimming out through the the marina of Wollongong and I get this blue bottle staying across my face. And for about four or five strokes, I'm trying to swim and pull this thing off my face. I got wrapped around my goggles. I was just like, this is the most insane pain. I feel like I've been whipped across the face. Um, and I'm, anyway, I get it off and I swim through and I, I think I came out of the water, maybe second or third. And my coach is like, and I'm like uh, screaming at my coach and I'm like, um, and he goes, what's up? And I'm like, i got a blue bottle. I've been stung. And then as I've come out of transition with my bike, he's just splashed a bucket of vinegar over my face. So I'm now riding at about 30 K an hour with, with my face in absolute agony on fire. I've got vinegar in my eyes and I'm trying to, trying to get everything done. Um, and so, yeah, that was – that race obviously went to ship by, by the end of the run. Um, and then I had a few others. And what happened was I just sat down one day. At the end of the, th- the, end of the third race that went um, – was really bad. It was actually a qualifying race for the Junior Olympics. And I sat there and I had this big conversation with myself of like, I don't think I can actually handle the depression of losing. And if I have to base – it's sort of like with the music thing. It's like if you have to base your entire existence around I'm going to win – and it's not, and you're not the reason that you didn't win. I can't, I do, and I don't think I could have handled Maybe I would have, maybe I would have learned to, I don't know. But at that point, there was this pivotal time when I was trying to go do I go to Europe, try and get sponsored? Do I stay in Canberra and go to uni and be a normal sort of kid? Mm. Um, and then I just decided that's it, stuff it. I'm going to stay in Canberra and pretty much gave up pretty instantly, like went from training seven or eight. Um, 10 or 11 times a week to not training at all. Yeah. For, that would have been 2000. I think I started running again in about 08. Yeah. About eight years of just – and what I did – this is the segue into the music thing that I think you're talking about – is I applied I, – I was – Dabbling with with um, poetry and writing and all that sort of thing, but my family we were a sporty family. We we're, weren't artistic people, like we're mm. you know suburban suburban white people from Australia. Not, a lot of them are very artistic, unfortunately. So yeah. I was very much pushed into um, to a sports sports lifestyle, and then I started dabbling with with um, writing. And I really enjoyed it, and then I got into and one of my friends actually read me one of my wrapped me one of my poems, and I was like, what? And all my friends are musical, and I was like, oh, I want to be cool and play music, but yeah. I suck at the drums. I suck to guitar, like you know. I was just like, and I'd play. I remember, I was so keen at playing drums, and I'd like record myself, listen back, and just go, "Oh, dude, that's so bad!" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friend wrapped me my poem, and he said, "There you go, that's that's rapping." And I was like, like mind blown, sort of thing. So I spent a good um, eighteen months, and then. I went back and learned a lot of classic songs like you would with the other sort of technique, like swimming technique, you'd model yourself on someone else. So I modeled myself and my favorite was Charlie Turner. Love the way he flows. Subba-dibba-dabba-dibba-dabba. i am like, oh, how do you do that? Like, that's how I want to rap. Yeah. So I learned a, fa- a couple of the... Jurassic, the Jurassic Five um, quality control album I learned from word. There's no other album out there that I know from the first word to the last word of the entire album, ah. all four, four MCs. Like I had it on tape in my car and I was driving around just listening to it constantly studying it. Yeah. Um, and I applied that idea to my music and I still do that now when I write a new verse. I'll just sit there and go over it again and then I'll go over the bits that are not quite fitting and I'll just loop the beat and just keep going until I get that bit. I get that bit, get that bit, nut, nah, do it again, nut, nah, do it again, nut, nah, do, nah, do it again, and then I'll do it. And what I like to say is every sixteen bars gets sixteen hours. Mm. Sort of my, my my training ethic, I guess, of of writing. Yeah. And so, yeah, so then I was, um, I moved to Melbourne, like, on a whim. Me and my brother both decided to move. Dad was living here, so we moved in with Dad. And from that was from where? From Canberra. Okay, yeah. So that's yeah. where you're originally from. Well, not really, because I moved. Dad was in the Navy, so um, before Mum and Dad split, we moved around a fair bit, and yeah. that's how we ended up in Canberra. So I grew up in Darwin, up in a a little, little town outside of Darwin called Howard Springs, which is now, as far as I'm aware, a massive um, gas refinery. Like it's um, sort of, yeah, it's sort of gone that way and that's about the territory. So that was, um, that was interesting on its own accord. I'd never, and then we, we moved to Canberra when I was nine and that was sort of the first time I sort of understood racism, like territory, the Northern Territory people, people from the Territory, it's like this saying, it was like black fella, white fella. It's like it's not a racist slur to call an Aboriginal person a black fella. Mm. Whereas in Canberra. That is. Oh you, can't, oh, you can't say that. What do you mean? I'm like, yeah. well, that's what they are, isn't it? I thought that's. Hang on, I'm confused about this. Yeah. And race relations in Canberra, if we're being um, predominantly white sort of area, very, very different to territory ever. And, and and no one. And I'd never really experienced it. I'd never really experienced racism. We we even ran around without shoes on until like we played rugby. I remember playing rugby at like um at like age eight, and no one had shoes on. Like it's, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. it's just a thing. Territory is very different. But yeah, so then to Canberra, and then we moved, I let, moved to Melbourne at 20, so I'd done a bit of uni and sort of went, all right, stuff. So yeah. yeah, and were you studying marketing at uni? What I, was you studying, studying? I was studying creative. I, studied, I started off studying science, and then I dropped out and went to um, arts and did professional writing I just yeah. did, because I said, well, I want to write, so I just want to study what I write, and then my minors were politics and philosophy and all these cool subjects that I was just genuinely interested in. Like I probably yeah. – one of those things is a bit of a useless degree but also learnt a lot of really, really interesting stuff that I wouldn't really learn. Yeah, you know? yeah. But they sort of broadened
1: your horizon of understanding of how the world works, which gives Absolutely. you
0: ammunition Absolutely. for... It what? Gave me, but basically, when I describe it, it's gave me really good shit to write about, to, <laughs> to rap about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like, you know... Um, politics and social issues and that sort of stuff. One of my favourite subjects was global environmental politics. So I was like, I've been a greenie since like 07. Like I've been like, just study, like, you know, this <laughs> is when China first took over from the, U- um, the US as the biggest polluter. Yeah. Things like that. And it's like, now there's a the whole climate change movement. So I'm like, oh, wow, finally, like it's coming around. Like I've been going on about this for so long. Yay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I studied a lot of philosophy. That was really exciting. A lot of international, like, just a lot of random stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to like. And, yeah, have I used it? No. no. I've written a lot about it, but I haven't really used it. You know, it's not like my um, business degree or a marketing degree or something that sort of gives you a stream straight into a field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand, man. I did geopolitics as well yep. at
1: RMIT. So, yep. And those are the subjects that I did the best at.
0: Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle Eastern politics, man. Well, I got. I was, I was a HD student in Middle Eastern politics. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: fascinating. Yeah. Like, learn about the Sykes Picot agreement and yep, all these, yep, like, yep. how they
0: carved up the Middle East. Exactly uh, right. Like, literally, how it's one of the only places, I mean, it's there in Africa that have straight borders. Like, like how do you, like, how does that you know, happen? Every else in the world has, like, oh, it yeah. just follows this river, then this mountain ridge. <laughs> no,
1: the earth got split in half in <laughs> a <Yeah. laughs> perfect
0: lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, um, during this entire time, what kind of music were you listening to? Um, like, were you into drum and bass? Back in the day, So back in the day, I was really into heavy metal. So I was into music um, that 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 made me move because I'd listened to – I had a really awesome Walkman when Walkmans were a thing and I had Tape of the CD. Yeah, yeah, a little nah, tape because CDs CD. would bounce around. So if I'm running or cycling mm, – Yeah, yeah, it's true. Not, it's not giving – the whole reason I listen to music was to charge me along. So I'd yeah. be sitting there, you know, on my aero bars, my triathlon training like da 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 and so i was into bands like pantera metallica rage against the machine my first love yeah yeah evil empire goes down still to this day is my favorite album of all time um, then through that through that sort of sec- i was and so yeah i was a new metal kid i had baggy camo pants still rock baggy camo pants i had the chain wallet i had the, yeah. the flat cap like you know that's hence the tribal tats and everything like i was a <laughs> i was a 90s late 90s new metal kid system of a down um, like Incubus, those sort of bands, um, you know, really um, really sort of encapsulated my um, idea of music. And then uh, so through that I found Cypress Hill was the first sort of hip-hop that I got into, which I really, really liked. Um, and then they did a tune with Roni Size and I was like, oh, okay. And then I, my a few of my friends were into drum and bass and a few things didn't really – take my fancy until I heard um Ghetto Celebrity, Rony Size and, and Method Man. And I was like, now what the hell is this? Like I liked the tune that they did with um with Zach, but there's certain types of drum and bass that I like where that snare is just on the I love that sort of roll with it. Anyway, so that was and I was like, what the hell is this? This is, this is um, incredible. I really like this music. And I'd listen to like a couple of um, pirate radio shows with D and D you know, and so like, I'm like, oh, it. here we go! How do you rap that fast? Like, yeah. oh. um, and then yeah, and then what I think big change from big um, big influence on me was um, Scribe. I don't know if you remember Scribe. How many dudes you know roll like this? How many dudes you know, I- know I- flow like this? Yeah, it was a huge tune in Australia in about the O two O three. Okay, yeah, huge. This this Kiwi rapper have just Blew, all right, okay. Blew the airwaves apart. So it's an Australian New Zealand. Kind yeah, of it. Okay. yeah. It was like a, you know, maybe why as, I don't know. As we it. do, we always culturally appropriate anything Kiwi. <laughs> it's like oh, it must be good. Yeah, it's Australian. Um, anyway, so this song was rad, and it, what he did was he did a lot of double time flows on it, and I was like, wow, okay. And like I'd done with Charlie Tuna, I just sat down one night and just learnt word for word this dude, this rap, and then I actually heard him do. It was a what the version was was a remix of a song he'd done with Concord Dawn. So then I heard the Concord Dawn song. I was like, oh okay, I wanna learn this up a bit it I wanna learn how to rap like that. So yeah. yeah. And then what happened with me was in about when I started to get back into running in about '08. I had an iPod and I put on um, Jay Wicker. Uh, this uh, is after you stopped doing triathlon. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I, I stopped and walked away from. I sold my I sold my two thousand dollar bike. I um, bought a crappy little mountain bike to ride around the city and be a cool hipster in Melbourne. Like I went from being full athlete wearing active wear in public to just being to shunning it properly. I was like, that's not me anymore. Mm. And then a few times, um, I remember you touched on in your first podcast about depression and anxiety, and I, um, I had a red-hot crack at ending my own life twice and, um, and was, was in some very dark places with drugs and alcohol and the, the party lifestyle. And then one day I just went, it was a Tuesday Arvo, I still, was still fucked from the weekend, and I got home from work, and I was like, I'm going to go for a run. I went for a run and I hadn't run properly in a good five years and I just came back and I felt really high. And I was like, oh, I get, ah, oh, this is great. Like, mm. okay, cool. Yeah. It's better than smoking cones. Sweet, all right, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should give this a crack. And then the next week I ran a bit further and then, and then a couple of weeks later I went, all right, I'm going to go do some effort. So there's, there's different styles of training and one of the best, one of my favorite ones is effort. So you do say like two minutes max out a minute easy, and you do that five times or whatever. like. And I had some drum and bass on it, and all of a sudden I got to this and I was like, all right, let's go for this effort. And what happened was my feet synced up with the music so yeah. I'm at this certain. So there's there's um there's like your anaerobic threshold, which in endurance sport it's it's as it's as hard as you can go without lactating. So it's as hard as you can go without before you start dying, and um and the layperson who doesn't train doesn't have a very high threshold. W- yeah, high. They've they've got, they've got um their thresholds. Their their aerobic and aerobic threshold are very very um very far apart. Yeah, as an endurance athlete can hold this level, and it's fucking hard, mm. but it, you don't burn out, you don't, you don't lactate and die. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm realising, holy crap, this is why I love drum and bass so much. But the first time I heard drum and bass at a rave and I started dancing to it, I was like, wow, it just fits. This <laughs> is <Fiddlesticks>. cool. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Like when I first heard Techno and House, I was like, all right, how do you dance cool? Like I'm with drum and bass, I didn't even think about it. All of a sudden my feet are moving. I didn't think anything about it until I was on this run doing these efforts. And I realised, holy shit, my... Feet are moving at 172 or we're moving at 86 b- PPM BPM. Yeah, and I'm time. like what the hell and all of a sudden I was like trying to stay and I'm like this is the I'm like this is so from the age of say 9 the age of 17 I was running at a DMB Tempo <laughs> You know what I mean? Like without even knowing it, and yeah. it's like so that so that rhythm is actually kind of ingrained, ingrained in me, and to the point where, when I'm running without headphones and I want to get to a certain pace, I won't even need my my, my heart rate monitor or anything. I will just start going, I just start think of a big DMV tune and get my feet to go like, and i was like, oh okay, like I could just. It's just a BPM that's that's um that's that's comes that's synonymous with you. Yeah, it's been embedded in me for so long. So yeah, that was um. That was how I sort of realized where drum and bass had sort of had, had had this effect on me. And then yeah, I just later on when I started trying to record, I realized I needed to switch up my accent a little bit. And I'd always been very anti guys switching their accents. I was like, No, it's Australian music, mate, you gotta sound like an Aussie dude. Like and not like Bogan, but like you've gotta sound. Yeah. And then I sort of tried a few and I was even recording. And then all of a sudden, I just found this kind of voice, like with frostbite, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you can sort of." And what? Um, big shout out to Johnny Hooves, the master of my Ooh. um my the master of my backline, um and the master he, in he general, it, the master in general, yeah, yes, absolute weapon. Um, he calls my accent inter-neutral, as in it's not quite Australian, English. it's not quite English, it's not quite American, it's not quite Jamaican. It's got this whole Kiwi either, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, what I've tried to do is pick the best vowel sounds from all of those languages and like yeah, sort yeah. of make it so you can't really tell. And it's kind of a good, it's kind of a compliment when people say, oh, this, I didn't even realize you're Australian when I heard that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like that's, that's exactly yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. going for. I don't want to be pigeonholed into a location. I want to make international music. Yeah. yeah. So I want to have an international voice. Yeah. That's, um it's quite distinct especially if you have like international listeners, like mm. say, you know,
1: someone from America, mm-hmm. you know, like, they don't listen to for example not a lot of Americans to say Dizzy Rascal you That's know from right, the UK yeah. we've got very specific flow even myself being you know so influenced by G-Funk and you know West Coast Hip Hop when I when I was younger and I heard Dizzy Rascal I was like man what is this yep. what is this crap Yeah. Later on, like maybe like two years ago or a year ago, uh, I don't know if you listen to Sway in the Morning, yep, sometimes, which, Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Uh, and I listen to a lot of Sway in the Morning, which is so- somewhat of an inspiration to this show, like especially yep. having you, you know, like how you <laughs> intro and then, yeah, so yeah. I want to have a show where yeah. I get to have my guests do shit like that. Right, yeah. So he had Dizzy Rascal on and, and listening to it with this now influence of drum and bass, like as a... As a choice of music, I like listening to, and obviously drum and bass MCs, kind yep. of like now influencing my tastes and preferences. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So for you to sort of yep. kind of be able to relate to, say, Americans, that yeah. it's, it's important, I guess. Yeah, I
0: think so. I just think it's um, I think that I don't know. I've. I've Nationalism and music doesn't really go together. Like, oh, no, it, it does not. So no. I always found this thing. Um, I, I always felt a bit ostracised from the Australian hip hop community because they were like, oh, Aussie hip hop, Aussie hip hop. Aussie I was like, I wonder if people who make hip hop in France call it French hip hop, or if they just call it hip hop. Or uh. do the Japanese rappers call it Japanese hop? Or like, yeah. I just always found it interesting that we made this ownership of it. Um, and it was, and back in the day, there was a very much an ostracization of anybody who was in an accent who used an accent, it was very frowning trying to say American. Oh, anyone, I remember this one bloke, I remember this line (laughs) I'd rather have a wank than spit anything yank, (laughs) like it's just like, (laughs) and that was that was very indicative of the mentality, yeah. Um, pretty much now, like that's. It
1: encapsulated, it, isn't Pretty it? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say that and again. I, I'd rather uh, have a wank than
0: sound yeah, like a yank. Sound like a yank. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's, I mean, there was a lot of, and I didn't, I didn't like, um, I didn't really like the bogan sort of accent of rapping. Um, even even though some of their stories are really interesting, I yeah. found it too abrasive. And then, what I really love was the when high pitched peak. Yeah. I was, you know, I had that on the tip of my tongue. An uh, right, yeah. but live, yeah, no, I'm right, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like oh, I don't know. Like, it's just it's just a personal preference. Maybe I'm just a bit too posh for my own good. Like, yeah. But um, then, you know, then the Hilltop Hoods sort of blew, blew up and I was like, ah, oh, this, I can get around this. This is really interesting. Yeah. And then a lot of music coming out of Melbourne um really made me go, oh, like like TZU, for example, um, or like the, the inner city Melbourne stuff, maybe not the, so much the suburban Melbourne stuff, Um, really, really tickled my fancy. And then a lot of other artists, like um, coming from Elephant Tracks, so guys like um, The Herd that had this really, very, very Australian way of saying things, but it's like, um have not the it's the middle Australian accent, I guess is the best mm, way to describe mm. it, um, yeah, and that's where I sort of found myself a bit more aligned with um and then taking that into drum and bass, i decided well it's it's it doesn't the the tone of MCs seem to work better when they're a bit lower, they sit sort of like, like a, a deeper sit, sort of yeah yeah, 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 and those sort of tunes um I don't know. Mine sort of goes a bit blank at the moment to use examples, but it, it seems to work a lot better when they're very relaxed. It's the opposite to on stage. Yeah. On stage, you want to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you record it, that doesn't come across very well. Oh. I've tried to do that a few times and I just listen to it and go... You sort of slip on your words kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but it just sounds shit. It sounds really yeah. rushed, really hurried, whereas live... Um, that's why I kind of hate it when people record live sets. I'm like, nah, it's just oh, no, I don't like listening back to myself. But live, it's about that energy, it's about that vibe, and because you're only doing it for say eight bars, four yep. bars, real quick, get in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and whereas on recording, it doesn't relate that well. And there's still some times where you can use that, use certain little, um, use little certain tricks in it, but you don't want to have the whole, the whole verse being, being. Too much for the listener. Yeah, yeah, because no. they're trying to actually make out what the lyrics are saying. That's exactly right. At the same yeah. time. Yeah, and
1: say like your your new track Viper. Viper. Yeah, it's it's pretty audible. Like you know yeah. your sort of pace and and yep. also that style of uh, that style of drum and bass is kind of which is the type of drum and bass I like to play in my sets. It's that
0: stripped back. Yep. Kind of this dark undertone. Yep. Um, it's, it's almost it's designed to be double dropped it's designed to have it's a, it's a mixing track you know what I mean mm-hmm. which is I think that's one thing I think I was actually discussing this with a friend today coming back from our ride he's um, he's he's a uh, uh, big shout big shout to Brody um, he's not he's not in our scene he's not a DJ he's, not, he's just a punter yeah. and he we we're listening to tunes and he's like oh you pick the next song I'm like man just chuck a mix on it he goes no. Nah, what do you mean I'm, I'm like I find electronic music quite repetitive so it's four minutes of the same song. I'd rather let someone like yourself or someone like Shem or someone like Tay or someone, one of my, a DJ who's, who really enjoys putting the next song together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. But if you press play an hour and a half later, then you've got to worry about what the next song comes on. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that. And I, so I've listened to drum and bass like that for years. I don't know any <laughs> artist names, song names. Like I'm <laughs> shocking, especially when people try and like ah. you know, get the scenes to chat happening. You're like, what about yeah. that remix? I'm like... How's it go? Does it go, dun, 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 dun.
1: oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, one, what's yeah, that shoot. chord yeah, Chord yeah, in the yeah. hook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. It's, it's funny, man. I, um, drum and bass is a new genre that I've only been mixing for the last maybe year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with all the other genres that I've been like, especially Psytrance, I'm, I'm like an encyclopedia, I can yep. tell you. Yep. Now there's a whole bunch of new artists that you know that I'm like, uh, yeah, mm. I'm not really into that. So I'm like, I don't care. But drum and bass is like, look, man, I don't know. I don't know who these guys are. You know, like I think critical sounds probably one of my yeah, favorite. Good, yep. Uh but Yeah, but you know, even you mentioned like, you know, R B and all that. Yeah, Man, I listen to that. I just know that's the style of drum and yep. bass I like.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um yeah. There's very much I yeah, there's 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 a certain types of stuff to certain types of like um sub genres of drum and bass. But yeah, there's a, there seems to be a theme with um with with the good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's um you know, obviously.
1: All this conversation, you've kind of like talked about how you like to pronounce things and enunciate mm-hmm. things, and it's it's something you mentioned again in our earlier conversation at ESO. Yeah. Is you did you say you study like linguistics? Yeah, linguistics
0: was one of my was one of my majors. Yeah, so yeah. that was really exciting. Um, studying how the tongue and and mouth make the sounds and what they. Even even the phonetic alphabet and stuff and learning. I remember that when we were talking about um where you're from Bahrain and you're like us, oh, but and are you teaching me how to say uh, Bahrain, yeah, like, Bahrain. You know, I was so intrigued by, like I really want to learn that sound because that's a new sound. My mouth doesn't know how to make. Yeah. So and I mean I've always I've always loved beatboxing as well. So mm. it's, um, what, uh, using the mouth as an instrument I think is really really um really. It's, Doing, playing instruments is like I can't, I can't I don't understand how that works so my brain doesn't work like that watching a drummer do four things at once having four yeah. three or four different rhythms of my brain yeah does I, uh,
1: not
0: yeah compute, does not compute. it's a different neural pathway totally yeah yeah but then I can do things that, yeah 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 exactly right but then I can do things where I can I'm doing, um, you know, and then catching a breath or doing something. And people are like, how do you how do you not lose breath? I'm like, ah, because you catch breath here and here and here. And they're like, how did you figure that out? I'm like, I don't know, just doing it in the background for so long. So linguistics was really awesome. I actually had my linguistics teacher call me out a few times in lectures to uh, to, like, to enunciate sounds. She's like, oh, remember that sound? Because I'd be like, what's that sound like, this weird random Dutch, She's like, oh, that's an African sound. i was like... It's like, a, oh, cool! Like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, no. then all of a sudden I'm doing like, um, using that as a cowbell in my drum beats and stuff. So yeah, that was, that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. So, all right,
1: you're a fan of linguistics. You're a fan of pronouncing things in a certain way, and obviously you're also a fan of poetry. Yep. So was that the sort of you got? Yeah, the poetry came first, obviously. Then you you know you found drum and bass was the rhythm of which mm-hmm. you like to operate at. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> uh, Which just so happened to fit with with poetry, you know, because it's poetry in motion in definitely. a sense.
0: Yep.
1: Uh And then, and then at that point, you were kind of like, I want to push myself lyrically, or I don't know what's enunciated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. you want to you want to yep. find a way yep.
0: to bend words to your will. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um and and say things that the other thing too is I've always I've always tried to have a bit of a message with my music so it's always and there's always a fine line between being preachy and being um, being arrogant like one of my one of my lines early on was there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance and I walk it every day with ostentatious extravagance it's like <laughs> people that don't know me might think I'm arrogant but I don't think I think I'm just supremely confident in my abilities mm. and sort of um an athlete's mindset i guess is like there is no second you know you need to believe that you're good but at the same time the artist mindset of oh this sucks yeah you know, i think the, the combo of those two um has really has, has set me up to be quite um it, it helps me in my creative in my creativity because i know i'm good i don't think i'm good though does that that, does yeah. that make sense it's yeah. like and it's, it's important yeah, it is, it it's is. It's important to it, think it, you're it, good. It's, it's it's important to, well, it's, I think it's important to know you're good. As soon as you start to believe that you're good, I feel like that's when artists start to, their their quality starts to lack. Whereas if you think this is crap, put it in and go, oh, and then someone goes, actually that's, and then you, live a few months later or a few years later, you listen back to it and go, actually, wow, that is pretty good. Like, I'm glad I did put that out and yeah. know, that sort of thing. So.
1: Yeah. It's um, it's part of that one of those struggles is you never know you're good until someone kind of tells you. But yeah. then, um. Was it difficult? You know, uh, you, you brushed upon this, sort of you fell into this depression. And mm-hmm. was that kind of as a result of you suddenly you had this void in your life? Or that yeah, athleticism.
0: Well, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. And I was doing, um, I was yeah, doing heaps of drugs, playing in a couple of bands, doing heaps of drugs, hanging out with people who did heaps of drugs. It was that was the dr- drugs was the cool thing that, at that time in my life. I was trying to be a rock star and doing drugs like mm. and I thought I was invincible and I think everyone in their early to mid-20s kind of does. like, Yeah. It's a very um, – Natural progression. Yeah, right? yeah, it is until you sort of realise maybe you're not and it wasn't until I sort of started getting back into it slowly that I thought maybe this is part of – maybe this is the, um, the, the piece that I'm missing from my life because I did feel very much like my job kind of sucked, music was going sweet but there was a lot of – Void that I filled with drugs. And then when I started getting back into my fitness, I started, you just, I don't know, you don't feel like smoking bongs if you just ran 10K. Like you just yeah. genuinely don't. Yeah. Like it's, not, it's not a feeling. It's, it's, you have one and go,
2: oh, why did I do that? <laughs> and
0: then you, you're like, because you've just cleared out all this crap from your lungs and your brain. All of a sudden you're just like on this weird tweaker level of the tobacco and stuff. Like, So I think... Um, that when I rediscovered um, my, tra- well, I, I just I just refer to it as training. Um, when I yeah. when I when I rediscovered my, my um my my need for training, everything since that point has just been I've just gotten better. And then I find myself, not so much any in the last sort of five years, but between sort of oh eight and fourteen, that sort of period, The times when life sucked were the times when I wasn't training. Yeah. And I sometimes focus more on training than I do on music, but I'm kind of okay with that because music comes in bursts mm. and I never feel crap after a run or a swim. Do you yeah. Know? yeah. Whereas if you play a bad gig, wha, you could be yeah. like, you know, when you, when, you, when you shit the bed sometimes on stage, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. I can't believe I said that. And I've done that a lot of times in drum and bass, been too drunk, and said something that I thought was hilarious. Few people thought hilarious. Most people thought I was a gigantic douche. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh man. I, I can, yeah. Which is great having um Sham as such a close mate because he's very quickly to go. Yeah. Not on. <laughs> <laughs> he's so critical, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's so critical, but he's just like he's just there's just no bullshit. You know, you know, yeah. you know fully where you stand. Like yeah, yeah. Mm. I've I've collaborated
1: with him as well on on stage, and I um I think for a creative person, honesty like in in collaboration, honesty is oh, it's so important. So important,
0: and not to not to um. Like and and the, and the way you're honest is also important too because you don't want to hurt people's feelings and say nah it doesn't it doesn't work but you can just you can go about it in certain ways that everyone feels comfortable about it yeah that's not working okay yeah. cool it's not working alright sweet no, as opposed to this sucks dude like yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> There's yeah. Always ways of going
1: about it so you've you've obviously I mean that's kind of like um, a part of your right now your story is to to make the music you have to collaborate with yep. the, with the producers mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for you. Where does that process start? Like what comes first? The guy
0: comes over to you with a beat or you sort of I, have I the tend lyrics? To, I tend to just write, um, I'll just write bits and pieces. So when I get, when I'm um, having a big chat with, uh, with another friend of mine, Angus Green, um, we were talking <laughs> yeah. about it, big, big Gussie, big up. Awesome producer. Yeah, uh, incredible uh, producer. And it was, I was at this point about two years ago where I was trying to write every day. And we had this chat, and he goes, "No, I can't do it. I can't do it that way." I'm like, "No, that's where you find the gold." He said, "No, no, I wait for the gold." And I'm like, from an athlete's point of view, if you wait to get fit, that doesn't compute. So why (laughs) would, how would you like get up and do it? Get up and just just keep doing it, and then you get better at it. Yeah. And it turns out maybe I've gotten to the point where I know enough about what I want to do, and and I've honed my craft enough, well enough now that I can come up with clever things. But they just sometimes come to me, and then all of a sudden. It'll come to me and I'll write a bit down and then I'll come back to it a day later and then boom, the whole thing will come out and it's not this, I suppose, a day-in, day-out grind of trying to find it. It's just like when it does come, bang, grab it and let it go sort mm. of thing. So I think... Because, yeah, I'm not I'm not um, releasing material every week. I'm not um, at that level. So. Yeah. I think a lot a lot of that anyways is people just have the backlog of, of stuff. Yeah, of stuff that they've sort of sat on for, for forever. So, yeah, I, I tend to write stuff and then when... When I, um, when I like it, I'll type it out and make it all nice and then I save it on my computer and then it just sort of sits there sometimes until, I mean, I've, I've just done a um, collab with a, with, um, with a couple of guys, a big up, man like Enzyme, um, an American producer and a harder um, beat speaker. And that verse has been sitting on my computer for about four years, just waiting for a home. They just sit there now. And yeah. it's, back in the day, I used to be like, oh, cool, and force it. And then just sort of, I'd listen back to it now, I listen back to things and go, oh, that doesn't really fit. Well, like that hook and vibe doesn't really go. So now I just sit and I just write these things, and just they just sit there and wait until someone sends me something. Um, But sometimes it does happen the other way. Frostbite was the other way. I got sent the beat, and it was called Frostbite. So that's when I when I start talking with producers, what I what I ask for them is tell me when to stop and start and give me a title, give me something to write to. Otherwise, it's just... Topic, okay, I find, Yeah, I find I just get lost a bit. And then I start talking about the things I always talk about, like, you know, the system sucks and pop music's crap and, you know, beautiful people are losers, like things like that. <laughs> <laughs> things like that. So when I get given a title, it's like, okay, sweet. How am I going to work this, you know? Mm. And, um, and, yeah, so that's, that's, what, that's what I sort of prefer. So, yeah, I, I tend to write and wait or... Um, or I get given something, can I that that piques my curiosity. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think like uh, you know, talking to Kudos and then talking to you, obviously,
1: about your different different styles. His is obviously uh, he he raps to hip hop, which yep. has you know the chorus, the hook, the bur- all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy, isn't it, with the drum and bass thing? Because a lot of it, that's like you've got a continuous run to totally, just rip it.
0: Totally. And I can stop and start. And sometimes I can, sometimes I'll go, oh, oh, music's changing. Stop now. You know, it's it's, it's not, there's no point me going. So that 16 became a 12 or mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And then you know, I'll just change it up. And then you can tape bits and then you can work. It's almost like a, like a stand up comedian. You can work on your bits. To lock in. Oh, hang on, no, I like that bit where I went out, so, but a bit of the, like put the pause in there and came in with the triplet as opposed to keeping it on a on a on a, on a um other sort of rhythm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a lot more fun. There's a lot more freedom, a lot more freedom, which I used to get nervous about. Like, oh god, how do I? And then the amount of times I've like, especially early on when I was doing drum and bass, I'd get nervous, get on stage, then get off stage and go, crap, that was two hours. Like i did can- <laughs> What happened then? What did I even say? Like, I don't, I just got lost on the vibe and just, you know. Yeah. Um, And that's the other thing too. I love I love longer sets of drum and bass. Like, I, sometimes I'm, Sometimes it's so bad I had to run off and, and take a piss or like, you bizarre. know, like, yeah, or, or get one of my friends to go buy me a drink at the bar. I'm like, I've got no water. My mouth is parched. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm standing next to a smoke machine. I'm just inhaling <laughs> crap. Like, <laughs> I need drinks. So yeah, that's um that's that that freedom and that ability to sort of do a bit more with it, I guess. Yeah. Or less, I guess, is probably. I don't know. Less is more sometimes,
1: isn't it? Maybe with drum and bass, because like you know, again, you were talking about that uh the fast recording faster, recording yeah. slower. Like, yeah, it's like I, I've you know, uh, I do rap myself. Yep. Not as good as uh, yourself, <laughs> but uh, I can rap. And I am unfortunately one of those guys that do sound has an accent in their rap, yep. but yep. that's my thing i'm and yeah,
0: that's and that's I mean that's what I said to you like i've 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 changed that tune on me now like yeah as long as it sounds good, it doesn't really care
1: you know? yeah 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 i um I tried to rap on drum and bass in that like first of that like double time i cannot do that, and I'm very impressed that you can actually do that I was like. Man, uh, I don't know how shy you feel, but I'm like, how do you actually do that? Because a lot of people are like, man, I need that double syllable. So like.
0: it's, um, there's, there's certain words, I think, that, that are better for it. Um, and I've, so I've, I've, I, and it's, I do teach, when I find rappers who rap fast or like to rap fast, I'll teach them how to do it to drum and bass. And they're just like… Um, so natural to them. And they just go, oh, oh. oh, you just don't know when to start and when to stop. That's it. If you don't do those things properly, the crowd hates you and you sound like a dick. Mm. And then you you make all of us look like dicks. It's not just... You know, yeah, you're representing like, right yeah, now. It's like, it's like, if you're an MC and you're on stage yeah. you're in DMB, you're got to be doing good, or you're going to do us all a yeah. disservice. I hate MCs. See, this is why I hate MCs. Oh. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the kind of like a thing, man. Uh, some some really good gigs and some really good MCs, but the MCs like, dude, <laughs> you're kind of
0: talking we ruined the fucking thing. Oh, that's how I got into it. So I was um, I was playing I was playing my bands and I, and so drum and bass was always my little rinse out. I'd just go you know after a gig or whatever, go to DMB night, pop a panga, take my shirt off and. Rinse you know what I mean? That was my thing. I loved it. So I mean, bass, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been mean, I mean, I mean, dude doing the corner, just chewing his jaw off, sweating balls, like ah, sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, one of my friends, uh, the bass player in my band, took me to a party, um, and uh, Dougie, Dougie, was running the party, sub bass party, and they said, um, "A Kodiak kid wants a, wants an MC," and my friend Anthony goes, "Oh." Dan's an MC, and I was like, "Oh yeah, but like to hip hop, like you know, like that." And they're like, oh, and Then Dougie's like, oh, "He's playing glitch hop." I'm like, "Well, oh, I mean, do you know? like, i like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, cool. I'll give it a yeah. crack, sort of thing." And I walk up on stage and slap fives with um with Corey, and I said, "Oh, what do you what sort of BPM are you playing?" He's like, "Oh, 95 to 105." I'm like, "Yeah, sweet, that's my sweet. bag." You yeah. It's a good energetic like BPM yeah, totally. for, for that job. For that sort of thing. And they said, said the same thing. Just did a couple of bars, did a few things and sort of got into it that way and then met Tay, Tay and Shen with it. So they were like, hey, what are you doing? Our first party's next week. Do you want to come and host the side room or do the side room with Harzi? I was like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. Um, But I'd been to so many DMB gigs where I was like... In the front row, like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Like, what, there, was yeah, one, there was one. I won't I won't mention the MC because he's a good friend of mine, but there was one <laughs> there was one party um and one um a big big name from um, New Zealand again. I won't mention any names because people be able to put the party together or the venue or but me and my brother, so me and my, my little brother's my best um my best mate and my best um best critic. Like he's, he's the dude I bounce anything off. Um And he and I and this other friend of ours, this one song came on and it was very iconic in our group of friends, this one tune. And we were all just like, here we go. Like the three of us just like turned into this three-man mosh pit and the MC just was, the whole thing. And we're like, and like my mate, my mate standing there going, like just pointing at the MC, just yelling at him, like you've ruined this track for us. Like We're like, let's go to the smoker's room and like, you know, and we were just like. And so I've always, I mean, I'm sure I have done it in, in the past, but I genuinely try not to be that guy. Mm. Um, I really try and um, add to the music. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll just shut up. And I don't understand how I get complimented for that. That's one of the biggest compliments most DJs can be. Oh, you know when to be shut up. I'm like, how is that? <laughs> doing nothing's really easy. Plus how more. is that a compliment? Yeah, like, yeah, It's just like, I think... I think I think a lot of um, MCs just get nervous and go, oh, I've got to be doing something. It's like, no, nah, you don't, man, just chill. Yeah. Just find your find rhythm. You'll find your spot. You'll get your you'll pick, yeah. pick your bit to come in and, and, and kill it and then get out and let the music go because at the end of the day, crowd's here for the music. They're not here for, unless you're a big-name international MC, maybe they might be here to see like you. Like Charlie Turner, for example, Fun yeah. Yeah, totally. fun contours, yeah. yeah abso- oh, absolutely. I mean, that, and that, oh, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. That sets, I saw them at Earth Freak and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, and his voice—he oh, has the most unique voice as well. Yeah. And I met I met. I met him twice, and he is just one of the most lovely dudes. Hey, he's just so so humble to the point where I was sort of like bit like sorry for being your fan. Like you know, what I, mean? I was like I don't like I'm like I'm so like excited to meet you and just watching his demeanor. About, it, I was like, okay, really sorry. Just wanted to say, love your work, dude. Thank you, and I'm out, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's um. It's definitely a lot of fun. I think I think um, I wouldn't change my musical direction for anything. To have come from hip hop, where it was a bit more uh, set up to drum and bass, where I can literally kind of do anything. Um, yeah, it's mm. a lot more freedom, and I I do bask in that because sometimes I, I I used to jokingly say I I get paid to have the best dance spot because there's no there's no one around me. I can just dance yeah, yeah, on this whole spot here. You know, like that's that's that was my little joke about like, like yeah yeah I love MC, but I just get I just dance by myself, like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you definitely have a stage presence that feels, you know, um, it feels like it feels dominant. You know what I mean? I I don't know if that's the athlete in you or. I think it's also, um, again, studying. I really love learning. Like I've got so many different um, qualifications and random. I've done all these random jobs, but I really love learning. And a few times I watch, um, artists. I remember watching um, lyrics born. Um and watching him and the way he controlled the crowd and just standing there mesmerized. My little bro said to me, "We're we're both cooked." And he's like, "You haven't. You're not dancing, dude. What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just watching this absolutely incredible stage presence and going. I want to. You know, just the way he commanded the crowd. It just the way he stood there and owned that space. I was like, that. That's what I want to do. Um, and to the point where. Again, with hip hop and like like live ciphers and all that sort of stuff, I get a little bit like, ah, oh, because it's such an it's such a f- competitive. Yeah, it's so competitive and it's this big dick fight. And I kind of like <laughs> like I don't mean to again, don't mean to sound incredibly arrogant, but i will blow all you out of the water if it was on a drum and bass stage. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just like that. If whole, it's my if territory. It's my yeah. territory. Like, you know, um, you know, come at me, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But that's um, and that's again, yeah, it's again about I'm here and I'm present, but I'm not the main act. You know focus, what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not the main focus. And yeah. It's it's really good fun when I play with DJs who know who know me and know my style, because then they're gonna play things. Well, you know my favorite compliment. set. Yeah, it's a compliment me. Like my favorite set. Um, is with with Tay at Esoteric because we both know he knows he knows he's playing with the only MC the weekend so he's playing me tunes yeah but he knows like there's there's very little vocals it's very it's all just slam and stuff that I can go and, yeah, yeah and it doesn't sound out of place yeah. Um, and, and you've been, you, you've really been like, there, MC, for a while now, but uh, yeah, Just yeah, sort of, yeah. Tay and I have played. Um, Chem and I have played a things, but once he started getting a bit more of the turntablism stuff, we sort of we I'd go up and do sort of half sets with him. But Tay and I, we've played a couple of big festivals, like big mainstream sort of festivals, and we've been like the token Melbourne DMB act, and it's been mm. really, really sweet. And again, he'll change his set because he could play totally, you know, any any yeah. style he wants. But he's like, oh, Dan's gonna be up. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Make yeah. some stuff that's gonna make that whole set. Sound a bit better, so yeah, yeah, that's really
1: awesome. That's uh, an important sort of like yeah. understanding each other, totally a relationship.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's like we don't necessarily hang out all that much. We see each other at gigs all the time and stuff, but it's like this whole, you know, I know he's got my back. I know, and he knows I'm gonna, you know, got be, his and be there when, yeah, when be he needs to. Yeah, 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 totally. You know. So make any announcements I need to amount. I love it when people give me things to announce like oh yeah. bar, you know, bar manager comes up oh, the bar's closing in half an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, bars yeah, closing yeah. in half an hour. So if you were thinking about having a drink, maybe you should go to the bar now and get <laughs> a drink. <laughs> I can relate to that so
1: much. Oh my friends, yes, Jillo. You're like, yeah, yeah, no offs, that guy. He's that guy in our crew, you know, who just uh, who will riff on a mic for like, you know. Yep. Um I feel like we've covered so much and we've definitely rushed upon all these things I wanted to talk to talk to awesome. you about. Yeah. Uh, there's, I guess, one last thing um, that I wanted to ask you is um, you you at some point went to see Bo Kitty from Reality yeah. Check yeah. who yeah. has invited me to a podcast. And he's, hey, shout out to Bo. Shout out to Bo. <laughs> um, it's one thing that I kind of wanted to ask you is Is by obviously going to someone like that, Mm -hmm. you've kind of made this decision to Mm -hmm. say, I want to go from here to here. The same way that you go, okay, I don't want to just do training, but I want to win, like, like, I want to win the championship, you know? That's right. Yep. Uh, What was that sort of push to kind of, you know, it's time for that?
0: I'd moved back to Melbourne and um, so, so my partner and I, my, my partner and I moved back to, lived in Noosa for a couple of years, just did the mad sea change. And I came back to Melbourne and it was sort of like a, I've had this in the last two years this saying of like, piss, I get off the pot. Like I'm starting to get towards 40. It's like, what am I going to do with this stuff? What's my legacy going to be? It was, you know, my first child's on the way. It's like, what am I going to show them? I uh, so it was like, right, okay. I want, I want to level up. That's what I kept saying in this, in this particular year. And that's, and that's what Bo sort of does. So I, um... I sat down and had my session with her and I walked out and I and did um, my partner I was like I'm scared now. Because what do you mean? Because like, now I can see it's actually possible. Like these before that it was all just like, oh, these plans and dreams and da da the goals. But when someone sits there and puts them in perspective for you and says, You just need to do this to get this. Ah. Oh. Mm. Right. And now I've got to do things like oh I'm just enjoying just letting it float around and but yeah. it's like no nah, if you wanna be a pro, i to give with pro. So yeah, Bose Bose in one of my um Bose one of People I say like I've got – say now I've got a team, like a little team. So Johnny's Johnny's my sound guy. Johnny Hoos. Johnny Hoos my sound person. I don't understand anything about technical stuff. I don't understand how it sounds good or why it sounds good. That's a Johnny problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will send Johnny – It's the, important, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. it's my guy. Like if, if, I, if I'm doing a really good collab, I'll be like, hey, dude, and he doesn't um, necessarily um, – do these sorts of things for just like a quick little thing and I might be able to just quickly catch him on the fly or send him. Like I wanted to upload a a track the other day, an old track to my band camp, and I couldn't figure out, like this is how basic... Bitch, I am when it comes to audio. I couldn't figure out how to ch- tra- um, change an MP3 to a wave, and I'm like, Johnny, what the hell, dude? He's like, just send it to me. He <laughs> just sent it back ten minutes later. I was like, thank you, mate. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like this is so trivial. I don't yeah, even want to I walk don't you through. I what, what is lossless? I don't understand That's the thing. Like, is that one that sounds good or not sounds good? I don't. I don't get it. I'm, I'm just a dumb rapper. Like, um, and <laughs> and Bose, Bose, very much my um, my uh, uh, like content. Yeah, yeah. But so um, like, so with the with the tend of command. So my next, the next single I'm doing is a ten of Commandments, which is, um, it's a homage to B- Biggie's Ten Crack Commandments, but it's about getting cooked in the bush um, yeah. in, in Australia. And I, so I wanted to be. It took me eighteen months to rise, the longest piece of thing, a piece of art I've ever spent time on, because it was very much like, okay, if you're going to try and say this, you've got to be go about it. You're only going to get one opportunity. <laughs> you're going to do something. only, I think there's only. I mean, there's probably been a lot more references, but from off the top of my head, I can only think of two or three other artists that have done a homage to Ten Crack Commandments that were worthwhile sort of thing. So I got Jesswa to do me a beat, like a real funky Aussie Glitch Hop kind of beat. You know, it's very, I love that Aussie Glitch Hop has its own sort of sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Jesswa did that beat and then da-da. And then, so I just send it to Bo and she's like, I remember sending it, the finished copy to her. And she's like, and I said, what do you reckon? Like all the things, like even Consent is Sexy and all these sort of things that we want to touch on. She's like, baby, she's like, you nailed it. I'm like, what about this? She's like, no. I was like, oh, was this a bit too preachy? He's like, no, it's perfect. Like, da-da-da. Like, so having that person to be able to go, this is me being a, um, a, 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 a precious artist. I don't think this is any good and have someone go, no, nah, it's good. Like, not like I don't need someone to blow smoke up my ass. I just need to know if it's and someone who believes in An me. An honest critique. Of that's exactly that. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. My partner's always going to say it sounds great. My little brother's always going to say it sounds shit. Like, it's like, this beautiful, like, so it was Bo's was in the industry and she is the person that, yeah, I could just, like, send, hey, what about this? And she'll be like, I've got, I'm trying to do this track at the moment. I've got into this rapper called Prof who's um from Minnesota, Minneapolis, and he's very much, like, he's a bit of a buffhead. Like, I love it and it's just really funny. So I'm trying to do a bit more of a comedy. So this EP is this quite serious and the next thing I'm writing is just real dumb. Like, I'm doing a track with with Angus and it's just, like, Let's just be buff heads, like real dumb, but quite, quite clever. Mm-hmm. But I've got this line and I was really, I thought it was too far. I was like, oh, this it, too far? Like, oh, but, but it's hilarious. Like, it's so funny if you're in the right mindset for it. Anyway, so I asked Bo about it and she's like, nah. And that's what she wrote back, no. And I'm like, cool, done. That idea's in the bin. Sweet. Yeah. Next, you know, I was thinking about changing this anyway. She's like, yep, that works better. Like, it's like, so having that person just to quickly bounce off has been absolutely um, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Really, really necessary. So, yeah, so she'll just end up getting the first sort of half-baked idea or the first sort of version that I've done with Johnny, and she'll be like, yep, sweet, or like this bit, don't like this bit. And it's just very direct, very quick. I try not to take up too much of her time. Um, And then, yeah, so... I recommend um mentorship, or I, I was very anti, especially music. I was like, oh, I don't need a coach like you know, I don't need a coach my a, whole life, I don't, yeah yeah I, don't, yeah I don't need a club, like I don't need a club or a coach, like this is music, it's just art, uh, it's just whatever, but no nah, it's it's like having someone to um to learn off, have some bounce ideas off like it's
1: yeah invaluable. absolutely essential man yeah um, so, so I guess the only thing I didn't talk about before I kind of like. It, it, like I think we're sort of wrapping this up pretty soon, yes, but um beatboxing. I mean, we haven't yeah. even talked about the fact no, that you no, actually no. have that in uh, your yeah, arsenal yeah, of yeah, skills. I won,
0: I, won a, I won a beatbox battle back in the day and um yeah, could did spent a lot of time learning beatbox matching. My car stereo fucked out when I was at uni in in Canberra and I had no I had silence. <laughs> And so I just, yeah, me and my mates just learned to beatbox and just let it do a few things. So, yeah, and it's always been, I always say that, um, I've always said this to, to when, when, new, when I start talking with new rappers, like kids who are just starting out, they're like, what do you, what piece of advice? I'm like, learn to beatbox. Mm. Because if no one can beatbox in your crew, no one can rap. But there's one person that can beatbox, the five dudes can rap. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an instrument in itself. You learn rhythm. Mm. You learn all these you know, and you, then you sort of can create your own different sounds and stuff and, and then it's become my um, almost like a dirty little secret. Like I'll do it around job sites and dudes will be like, the hell was that? What's that? I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh, that's, like, pretty, I, that's pretty good, yeah, man. You know, like, I'm yeah, like especially if I find a room that's really boomy and got mad reverb, I'll be like, <laughs> oh, this is like <laughs> <laughs> like huge snare, wow, you know. Um, but, yeah, so it's just my little, my favourite little thing. And so, yeah, so I muck around with a, with a RC505, just a loop station. But, again, once I got into sort of the, the music production side of it, I realised just how much there is to learn. And I've done that with a few things. I've gone, oh, this is a great idea. And then I mm-hmm. get there and go, I feel like I'm sitting at the bottom of the well, like, oh, the, yeah. the, where I want to be is up there. Yeah. And so I, I've just tended to um, to stick to what I prefer. So I just stick to writing. Like I, I did dabble in music production, and then once I started sort of putting songs together, mm-hmm. I'd listen to an actual song and be like, "How do I get from there to there?" Like I have no yeah, idea. Like, yeah, and I don't. It's multi layered. Yeah, and I don't have the time, nor the equipment, nor the money to spend on on learning it. Yeah. You know, and again, take my hat off to the people that have because I've I dipped my toe in and got so confused. So the dudes that do it like yourself that are making and releasing stuff, I'm like... I mean, so I've only impressive. released one track, so I don't... don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you still know what you're doing. You know, you still yeah, know, yeah. You know your way around Ableton. like. Yeah, yeah, I like do. That. I, I yeah.
1: do. I mean, uh, I had to do that out of necessity. Yep. I feel like um, for me, one of the most difficult things is uh, I've been DJing for 12 years um, both in Australia and in a couple of different countries. Um, well, really, mainly the other ones, my my home country. But yep. um, I switched from Psytrance to, say, techno and, and bass music. And the moment I did that, I alienated myself. Yeah, right. Uh, and so the I've... The
0: scene or... Well, not
1: not entirely. I still work with, like, in the Psytrance scene. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, everyone goes to me for the second stage or the chill out acts and yep. stuff. But um, <coughs> I... um. I noticed that the people who were doing better were the ones who had, you know, releases under their belt. But then the same sort of realization that you had like under the well kind of thing, I experienced that. And from time to time, I I still, you know, I'm, you know, I'm no opio, I'm no grouch, that's for sure. Got a long way. But the realization that I had was, it's like you said, uh, to be sort of the master of your craft, you just have to be doing it For so long, and it's like, do you have the time to do it?
0: Yeah, or the dedication. The dedication. I think you you have to have. Be quite frank about yourself. Like I've got, I've I've got a lot of friends who call themselves producers, and I feel like kind of going, "Mm, are you really though? Like you've got a couple of whips in on SoundCloud that doesn't really. I think before. That, that, that idea of having an identity, of calling yourself a producer, is like you You, you, you got to put something out. Yeah, it's like when I, when I was first studying writing and I started calling myself a writer, I was like, am I? And then I was like, no, I want to do enough writing so that I can turn around to someone and say, I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a swimmer, I'm an athlete, like I've got these titles. But I think, yeah, with, with music, a lot of people think it's like it's a, it's a lot easier than yeah. it is. and And those people tend to think, more highly of themselves and perhaps they should when it comes to their music production. And it's sort of and then you meet the guys who are the ones slaying it and they are just it's just another thing that they do. It's not their, you know, mm. Yeah, um, yeah. It's about a leap of faith, I think. Yeah, totally, totally. And and, and they then they back themselves and they finish the project. There's there's um what this saying is there's there's gunners and there's um there's gunners and there's doers. There's people who are always going to do something. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. it's like, I, I will. Sorry, will, gunners are willers. Like, and I, no, I will do. Yeah. I'm going to do. It's like that. And I, when I, someone first said that to me, I literally changed my, um, attitude. my my attitude. Not my attitude, just the way I said things. I would never, if we were going to do a project, it wasn't, um, oh, so we should, um, when are we going to get together? When will we get together? Just changing that little little phrase is, is um, really empowering, I think. Yeah. Instead, you're going, Hey, Wednesday. Yeah, you know that, that's it. Lock that's it. in, it. Cool. Let's do it. And and I've and now what's funny is that I've taken on this action. This is a, a Bose had a lot to do with this as well. That's why I was like, like. That's why I mentioned is, it. Is, is it like, I get the shits now with people that waste my time. i might like, are we doing this or not? Like, yeah, huh. dude, like, come on! And a few times I've and a few times it's, um I've asked Facebook, I've, I'm quite lucky in my, in my large Facebook audience that I have. I um I tend to use Facebook instead of Google now. Like, hey, what about this? And it'll yeah, be 12, 12 different opinions on on something instead of asking Google, which is just all ads. Yeah, <laughs> and so when I when I ask um a few times, I've gone, hey, anyone got a beat? Send me a beat. And the amount of times I will get f- five or six that are just like it's just a bass line, a drum and then a description of what the track's gonna be. I might. Like, I I don't know. w uh, I don't care. Like it's it's not that. <laughs> so <laughs> send it to me when it is that if you yeah, want yeah, to work with yeah, me. Yeah, like yeah. I am not here to I'm um, we don't have an I don't have enough time really now. Yeah. Especially with the Kid on the Way the Kid on the Way, little spud. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah, super excited. I'm gonna be coming to people like you for mad advice and ringing your, <laughs> your bells tonight. What do I do? Oh, I don't know about me being a <laughs> 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 Nah, uh, Thank you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um yeah, so I just think it's just it's about um, dedicating the time, and then when you um, when you're sitting down and doing it, sitting in this you know a studio I can't see this, but your studio, it's here. It's here to do a job. You know, mm-hmm. it's like get in, get it done, get out. Don't sit around for x amount of time because then you're gonna lose that motivation of all right, sweet, we're here to do something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm definitely one of those gonna. I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. gonna do it. Yeah. Uh, but I've slowly been transitioning yeah. into. I'm just doing it. Yeah. Uh, a big part of it is actually the studio. Yep. It is, it
0: is like. Great space, dude. Like, I'm really impressed. Like, yeah. Thank you very, very much. Really impressed. From, from not only, from not only a carpenter's perspective, but from a, from a person who's been in rooms like this a lot. <laughs> it is, it is kind of like the, when I realized,
1: uh, in order for me to take my music production seriously, I, you do need a bit, you need,
0: you do, as a producer, you need the space. You do. You do you need really acoustic do. treatment yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. I mean, that's that's you backing yourself. You know what I mean? And that's. I think that's really important. I've I've done that. I did that with um taking singing lessons. I don't really want to be belting out Guy Sebastian tunes or like you know singing, but learning that process was incredible for yeah. my for my for my voice like. Johnny was doing um, sound at a festival once and I was up next and I was um, warming up and he just looked at me and gone, are you warming up? I'm like, I'm warming up. Like, look, look at yeah, me, you're yeah, like, professional. You know, you know that. Sometimes I couldn't figure out why uh, halfway through my set I'd finally feel like I was getting off. Oh, now I feel good. It's like, oh, yeah. it's because you've just warmed. Your <laughs> so, voice doesn't crack Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. taken yeah. 10 minutes to warm up, your muffet.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, it's so funny. I, I never knew anything about it, any of that until like a friend of mine was like, hey, there's this uh, opera singer that, that used to be in Cats. Yep. He's like, he just really wants me to start rapping because he's like, he heard me do a thing and yep, I was like, yep. uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just do it for fun. I yep. just like, like to imitate people and it's yep. one of those extra things that I can do. I really yep. just want to do But, you know, he was like, took me there and then he showed me, you know, you got a bubble. What a bubble yeah, yeah, yeah. I...
0: yeah. Yeah, the trills.
1: Um, and, yeah. But, you know, uh, it's, um, it's just just, you know, obviously listening to you talk about all this stuff. Is always for me. It's it's a privilege to be able to you know to just hear people going no no you know if you really want to up the ante and sort of upgrade yourself and your skill set yeah you've got to study you've, yeah you know do. it's worth going to a um, to a linguist or you know mm-hmm. all that kind
0: mm-hmm. of um, I mean trial and error is only ever going to get you so far but it's going to get it might get you to the same point but one way is a lot quicker mm. you know learning off people that have already done it before it's just Oh, okay. That's why this works. Oh, that makes sense. It's like there are methods that are tried and true. Um, yeah, and it's worth yeah investing in yourself. I think. Yeah. Look, I think it's like that's pretty much one of the
1: main things that interested me in our initial conversation <laughs> is is how much um, you know you've essentially been training and training and training. Yeah, you're always going to be training.
0: Yeah. 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 It's I don't know. It's just it's just um it's just my mindset. I don't think anything's going to change. It's even like when I was when I was doing um my cert two in carpentry, my pre apprenticeship in carpentry. All the other kids, uh, so I sort of realized trades are very different to the corporate world. Like you know, I'm hanging out with the badass kids that didn't want to go to school, and they're all and the teachers teachers stop and we've got like half an hour. We're not and he's like oh you know kind of amuse yourself sort of thing. So these kids are just running around doing dumb shit, and I just sat there cut um, using my handsaw to cut miters. Mm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like I'm like well. That's just do, just training. And now my, I, I went, when I did refit on the bus, I did all the cut of these miters and I showed my stepdad who's a, who's a tradie and he's just like, you cut that with the hand. So I'm like, uh-huh. Like I was just oh, so yeah, stoked yeah, yeah. to show these mitre cuts. Yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Totally insignificant in the whole sort of outfit, but instead of doing it with a machine, you know, I just did it with a bit more hands. So that's my sort of mentality to most things. When I find something that interests me. How much you want it.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah totally. Totally. Well, my man, you deserve
1: you deserve it. Thank you very much. You know, I'm I'm excited to see. Um, I'm excited to see the esoteric uh ten, ten The ten of commandments. commandments. Yeah. Commandments. That'll be out in a couple of weeks, uh, don't you worry. I've seen a little yeah. tiny snippet of it, <laughs> yeah, of it which credit credit to O the
0: yeah. cinematics. oh, man, that dude, that dude. I mean, he's, you know, he's been taking photos of me for like, I've got a few um, profile pics of mine from like 2010 yeah. of Jurassic Melbourne. Like, you know, and we just had this like, oh, sweet. Like he's just been, so yeah, it's like one of those dudes you've known sort have been in my, out, not in my inner circle, but my outer circle for uh, years. Close proximity. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I can't wait to get him
1: on board. And, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, so, my man, before we sort of uh, – is there anything you want to plug in before we uh, – is there one you want to mention, hype up something, you know, um, before
0: is yours? No, so, yeah, like, so Um. Viper – film clip for Viper's out. Uh, the tune is available to buy um, and stream from June 23rd. Um, there'll be a few advanced copies, so um, DJs, get at me if you want an advanced copy for a promo mix or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm actually doing, the label, we're going to see how the stats on the video go and the label wants me to do retakes and do like um, different different names at the drop. So instead of like UTS, it'd be like Liquid coming and strike like a viper. So we might get onto that. I'll see how much time and effort I've got. Um, and then other than that, my EP, Illiterate, is coming out. I'm just going to do it all indie. I decided to just do it by myself. Uh, Ten of Commandments is the lead single. That film clip will be out in probably three weeks or so. And then uh, yeah, two weeks after that the EP will drop. So yeah. Um camp, dyslexic.bandcamp or soundcloud.com dyslexic. Um, yeah, is where you can find me on Facebook. That's my main my main thing is Facebook. Avenue, yeah. Like I like a rant. <laughs> well my man, uh, thank you for
1: uh, uh, thanks for having me, dude. It's been awesome. Good. Cheers, man. You're um, appreciated. You're a champ and thank you. Uh, both on the on the on the bike and uh, <laughs> on the bike on the and mic. On the, on the bike and on the mic yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah thanks for listening guys cheers is, uh, thanks guys much love dyslexic <laughs> all run out. Right,